0: You're in the Waterloop. Waterloop,
1: Waterloop, Waterloop. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. For all content, visit waterloop.org. This is episode number 143, Disrupt the Status Quo. The water industry is often described as conservative, risk-averse, and slow to change. That behavior and accompanying acceptance of the status quo frustrate Will Sarney, founder and CEO of The Water Foundry, who believes the industry needs disruption, particularly to tackle wicked problems. In this episode, Will explains how the government could play a key role in enabling more activity and faster innovation in water. He also discusses the importance of terminology used in reporting on water challenges, the launch of the Colorado River Basin Fund, and how corporations are doing on water sustainability. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop joined for this episode by will sarney he wears many hats he is the founder and ceo of the water foundry He is the ceo of the colorado river basin fund he is co-host of the stream podcast uh he has written many books he's speaking all the time he's spending time out there on the water rowing so will thank you for coming on
0: Travis, my pleasure. You know, when I hear you chronicle what I do, it, it only uh, reinforces my running joke that I have no social life. Um, so you, you you validated that once again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Water water tends to take over our lives, right? We have so much passion for it. There's so many things to yeah. do in the water space that it's like, well, I'm just going to make this my life. So uh, I get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, you you're you're a water guy uh, on the water and also professionally, so you you have the same totally joy, if you
1: will. Totally. So I want to I want to get right to a topic of mutual interest, and that is disruption. That is shaking the status quo tree. Uh, that is damn the water sector for continuing to be conservative. Uh, how do we break the molds? All that kind of stuff. Uh, this is something you talk a lot about. Um, as you look at the waterscape, why are you so focused on this idea of disruption and upending the status quo? I, you
0: know, I, I think it speaks to my, my character, if you will, for better or for worse. <laughs> but uh, I, I've, I've never really embraced the uh, status quo. I've always looked for, uh, you know, the, the quote, uh, the road, the road, less travel. Mm. Uh, and a good friend of mine and, and former colleague uh, when I was doing uh, primarily environmental work said that, you know, Sarni, you, you, you not only take the road, less travel, you, you just don't take a road. Mm. And it, you know, it, it took me a long time to embrace that, and you know the reason I do it is that I find it interesting, certainly. Um, but I also find that uh, incremental progress is incredibly frustrating, and that's not going to that's not going to get us to where we need to be in, in a really short period of time. And if we just look at you know the Sustainable Development Goals, you know we're not going to hit those. And the reason we're not going to hit those is that we're really just making incremental progress, uh, in, in changing how we manage water, uh, manage hydration, uh, you know, access to water and so on. So impatient by nature, infinitely curious and, uh, really believe there's always a better way, mm. uh, to, uh, how we address some of these big challenges
1: are there, what, what challenges or what status quo behaviors, what incremental progress, what are the, th- some of the things that really jump out to you in the water sector? Where are you like, damn it, go faster, go bolder, go bigger? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so for me, I, I think you've, you've seen me talk about wicked problems and who solves wicked problems. And, you know, as a stakeholder group, uh, you know, the public sector has just enormous potential to solve some of these challenges, but does not move quickly. And I, I you know, I know I tend to talk about technology innovation or innovative business models, what is the service and so on. But if you really look at what the big opportunity is, if we could change public policy faster, then we have the ability to really scale technology solutions and business models. Uh, and so on. So that, for me, that's the one we need to poke Hmm. and drive speed with and, you know, quite candidly, I'm not a public policy guy, so, you know, again, I don't have the temperament technology directly into the market to uh, consumers, customer, customers, you know, basically democratizing That you know, we, we had a taxi industry that was highly regulated that had to change because some folks came up with a uh, a ride sharing app, a series of ride sharing apps, and could deliver to me a car when and where I needed without the friction of going to call a taxi service on a phone and. Regulations had to change and they're still changing. Hmm. Uh, So, you know, I I view the opportunity in the water sector in somewhat of a similar manner that if we could provide water quality and quantity data directly to a homeowner, uh, you know, or other stakeholder group, that would change public policy faster because you're, you're giving people knowledge and actionable information that's probably a drawn out answer, Travis, but that's
1: kind of how I think about it. Sure, sure. Um, What about the water sector, the water industry, compared to other industries out there? I think the the common line is like, hey, they're very risk-averse, they're very conservative, they're behind in adopting tech or doing this and that, and how much does that figure into this frustration with the status quo and the need for disruption?
0: Yeah, you know, my... My view on this has actually evolved, uh, believe it or not, over time. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why. So yes, I, I believe the, the water sector at large is slow to innovate at scale. Uh, and, you know, I would say for some good reasons and some reasons that are not so good. You know, obviously, uh, water utilities are guardians of And there is a uh, responsibility there that uh, I completely understand. On the other hand, there really, I would say in most cases, and I'll make a generalization that I know I'll be uh, criticized for, is uh, the culture is not one that embraces innovation and risk-taking. And, you know, digital technologies, I believe, are a really good example of, of, you know, some of the challenges that you see. Now, having said that, I also believe that there's some really interesting uh, uh, utilities that are innovating, perhaps in some ways faster than the industrial side, the private sector side. So, you know, the, the sort of prevailing narrative is, well, utilities don't innovate really fast, the, the private sector does. And that's just the way it is. Well, it's more complicated than that. You know, it has to do with industry sectors. It has to do with culture of private sector company. It has to do with leadership and, you know, utilities and, and the culture that leadership is building. So it, it's gotten more complex, at least in my mind, although we're, we're still sort of plagued by some simple means around. Yeah, the, the utility sector just doesn't innovate quickly enough. And mm. that's just kind of the way it is. We need to accept that. So. I think it's changing, and, and clearly the pandemic has hmm. contributed to a, a, a real shift, in a good way.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, good point. Um, before we maybe move on a little bit from disruption, one of the things that jumps out to me or frustrates me on the disruption front, uh, you're based in Colorado, you're in the American West, uh, where there's less and less water. Uh, we'll get into some language around that in a minute. Um <laughs> but i'm always or i'm constantly stunned that water recycling water reuse like in a you know on a large scale is not just being rapidly accelerated um you know i think el paso texas is going this way of treating all their wastewater going to use it for drinking water la has some ambitious plans to do it uh-huh. but i'm just like with the alarm bells that are going off in the west why is there just not this like cut through the tape and let's do this because we're going we're gonna to have some, a crisis on our hands. That's one thing that jumps out at me, and I just kind of was curious your perspective on that.
0: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. You know, water use in the U.S. Uh, national is, you know, pathetically low, uh, and, and we really don't look at water as a renewable resource that we can use over and over again and that uh, you know, it, it, we just don't think of water the way we should, considering that uh, climate change has impacted us nationally with respect to the availability and, uh, you know, access to water. So, yeah, it, it's moving way too slow. It, it's incredibly lumpy. So, yes, you see cities. Uh, it's interesting. You bring up a really good point. States move really so, well. In the U.S., we move really slow. States move slow Uh, in general. It's the cities where you're really seeing innovation uh, happening. So, you know, driving uh, water conservation efficiency coupled with uh, really promoting water reuse. Out of sheer necessity, uh, you know, there will be no economic development or growth um, without really rethinking how we use water right now, which is I, don't make, I get a gallon of water. I treat it to drinking water standards. I use it once, and then I throw it away. That's <laughs> so lun- 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 lunacy.
1: Yeah, that is. That is. That's a great way to put it or explain it to people too. Realize how clean yeah, that that water is water's treated, and then just poof, sent away. Right.
0: It, it, yeah, and I, I you know, I wash my car with it. I'll water my lawn, <laughs> or I'll wash my toilet. You know, like really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that. Uh, you are uh, always talking about on LinkedIn and I encourage everyone to follow you on LinkedIn and Twitter. uh, And is the, some of the language, some of the coverage, some of the reporting um, by the media, but also maybe the language coming out of water people's mouths too. Uh, Especially Mm -hmm. when we're, when we're talking about climate change and what's happening in places like the American West, maybe like what's happening in Western Australia, certainly around the world. Um, and the, really the words drought, right? This, this is not a drought anymore. It, Love to get your take.
0: Yeah, I, and, and this is your world in terms of, you know, uh, communication and storytelling and so on. But it, it just strikes me that if water professionals are ever to gain success in uh, mobilizing the layperson in understanding what is broken and what needs to change, we need to stop using words that uh, we've used historically that limit uh, the ability of the white person to really understand what we're facing and uh, what we need to change. And, and drought, to me, is the big rub. If you know, when I think about how most people uh, react to the word drought, it is—it's temporary. We, we might have, you know, a drought that lasts years. But nevertheless, the reality, the, you know, the interpretation is uh, it's going to get better at some point. And you know what? If I get a good rain this weekend, that means the drought maybe it's over. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Well, you know, things are so fundamentally broken in the American West that using the word drought is, that's just really not helpful in terms of, Getting people to understand that we need to change public policy, we need to reuse water as much as we can, we need to drive investment in innovative technologies. Um, you know, it, it, it's really just not helpful to say the least, if not really damaging to any progress we could make. So, and, and look, I, I don't know that I have the perfect narrative or word. I just know that drought destroyed yeah. and abandoned and you know it's yeah you know we, we could use aritification but like you know that, that's a big that's a big, big word. complicated word that requires a whole other conversation about what it means so um i don't know i, I th- this is something that uh, you know my colleagues friends in the world of water talk about a lot in terms of how we come with it Come up with a very simple narrative that people get and more importantly compel them to
1: act. Yeah well speaking of uh, the American West the Colorado River Basin the aridification that's happening and driving investment uh, the Colorado River Basin Fund you're the CEO of this Uh, it's it's very this is a seeks to be a disruptor and an innovator what is this?
0: What is it? Well, it's a uh, private equity fund. It's a venture fund. So we are uh, raising and deploying capital focused on innovative technologies, innovative business models that address uh, water scarcity from demand side reduction, uh, address uh, water quality. So, uh, you know, innovative water treatment technology solutions and, and also providing greater access to water uh, through technologies. And, um, you know, it, it gets back to our earlier conversation about, well, well, how do we change public policy in the American West so it's, you know, relevant for the 21st century, not, you know, the 20th or 19th? Uh, well, that's through mobilizing investors and entrepreneurs to focus on a w- watershed that is uh, incredibly valuable. It was identified by uh, American rivers that rice is the most threatened uh, watershed in, in the U.S. Well, if we can uh, emphasize that water is a local issue by using the Colorado River Basin uh, as our watershed uh, focus, uh, we can get the attention of innovators, uh, founders, entrepreneurs, and investors that get it and make Investments in technology companies that are uh, addressing very specific needs within the watershed. So, yeah, that's that's what we're up to. Um, we've made our first investment that we will announce next week. And uh, we feel that our initial thinking in, in you know, framing this as the Colorado River Basin, even though investors come from outside the basin, technologies come from outside the basin, uh, we will employ these. For these technology uh, companies outside the watershed globally putting the, a the real focus on something local uh, has, has really helped
1: quite a bit yeah that's that's uh, one of the things that's unique about it is this place-based focus and I, I think that um, that makes it more tangible I think people can mm-hmm. understand the challenge that's that's trying to be tackled that's a great idea I want to ask you about corporate stewardship, Um, you know, and and this is something that I've seen you involved in a long time, this space, if you will, when it comes to water and action. Um, What's happening on that front? Uh, You you see a lot of corporate talk about water and sustainability. Um, How much of that is greenwashing? How much of that is authentic?
0: Yeah, so I, I've been on this journey for a long time. Uh, my, you know, my wheelhouse, my focus has historically been working with U.S. and non-U.S. multinationals on sustainability, corporate sustainability strategy and water strategy. Uh, you know, I, I wrote, wrote a book in uh, 2010 on corporate water strategies and it, it's been a journey. I mean, absolutely a journey where companies in general have moved from as a management issue, you know, potentially driving efficiency, but really fundamentally a compliance issue. To you know, this framework of, of water stewardship and very specific narratives around uh, you know, positive, replenish, or, or and so on, uh, to where I like to sit and push uh, corporate water strategy, which engages on innovation uh, heavily. You uh, know. In a way, but uh, to answer your question, uh, it, it's kind of all over the map. Mm. Um, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine the other day, yesterday, actually, about what companies are dealing and, and how much uh, does the topic of water come up uh, with chief sustainability officers? And he said, really, not that much. So uh, it, it has a long way to go in terms of really being thoughtful, strategic, and and companies making investments. Uh, In part, because water is complicated. It has a number of attributes that uh, uh, make it unique, that are not shared by carbon. So carbon is fungible, a ton of carbon, a ton of carbon. Uh, A liter of water is unique uh, for for a variety of reasons. Uh, So yeah, some companies are not doing anything some companies to check in the box. They, you know, get a target set, and that becomes part of their ESG uh, reporting. Uh, but having said that, there's some really exciting uh, things going on in the world of water uh, with multinationals that have absolutely aligned their uh, corporate water strategy with their business strategy uh, and business growth strategy. So it's not just the risk issue; it's actually Uh, Embedded into fueling uh, business continuity and business growth. Uh, There are companies that are making uh, investments in innovation, uh, innovative technologies, uh, and helping them scale. Uh, And there's some really cool examples out there of uh, what is possible when a company decides that, yeah, what is critical for our business, not just from an operational perspective, but from the communities in which we operate, supply chain, uh, customers, consumers, uh, our workforce uh, cares about it increasingly, or has potential to do so. So, I, I don't know if I dodged your question or not, <laughs> Travis. But I guess if I, I guess if I did, I'm a good consultant. Uh, uh, but it's uh, <laughs> But I, you know. I,
1: No, I was gonna say. Like, I think you answered it right. It's a, it's a mixed bag. There's some really good, authentic things happening, and there's some people, some companies are just kind of not doing so much.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, related to the uh, Colorado River Basin, you know, PepsiCo announced on World Water Day that they made a foundational investment in the fund, and you know, that's a big deal. Not, not just for us, but the fact that a company that Really is a leader in corporate water strategy is looking at how to have an impact beyond their, their water footprint. You know, they are now part of the solution as opposed to I saved a liter of water hmm. in, in my operation through supply chain. It's like, no, you know, I'm a multinational company. I know how to drive change. And we're going to play in, in this area. And, uh, you know, you often use the 100 plus accelerator program that was launched by uh, ABM Bev, I want to say three plus years ago. They now brought in Coca-Cola, Unilever, and Colgate. So you got four multinationals that are looking for entrepreneurs, innovative uh, businesses to support and help them scale to solve very specific sustainability challenges it, What is included in that, but it's also things like, you know, agri- regenerative agriculture, it's, uh, innovation and in packaging, it's climate change uh, You know, it's energy. So I look at that and of course I'm an optimist But I look at those examples and say, yeah, you know what, that's That's where we need to push and it goes mm-hmm. back to your question initially about the status quo. Well, that's not the status quo that 's where we need to go
1: gotcha, yeah, a, a couple follow up thoughts. Um, you know companies are motivated by the bottom line. Uh, the bottom line is impacted by consumers, and i I think that um, a lot of consumers out there are want to support sustainability and companies that are doing sustainable things and if companies can show their consumers that they are actually doing tangible work to make the planet better um, that's a that's a win there is that is that sound right as, as part of the motivation is uh, consumer demand
0: yeah I, I think that's um, that's both a huge opportunity and a challenge in the scheme of things so you know that's very much how we approach corporate work strategy which is All right. How to to make it relevant to your business, and how do we support your your business growth and and drive sales and profitability uh, and impact? And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you can take a topic like water and build a strategy that creates business and societal and environmental value, that's a huge win. And you know, the challenge is that you know we're fighting against the status quo, which is you know more are not asking for that. Well, mm. of course they're not. But that doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity there. There is the uh, component of education and awareness that will drive brand building and sales and impact. So, you know, let's not revert back to, well, they never asked. Well, of course they never asked. I didn't ask, you know, for a, a smartphone yeah. and, until I saw it in the marketplace. and then, Now I can't live without it.
1: yeah uh, great i love i love a lot you just said there and you know it makes me think of patagonia right they're one of these Mm -hmm. most beloved respected brands their customers are incredibly loyal because of the authentic work they're doing and and uh you know the stories they've told about it i think um last thought i wanted to to kind of tie it together back to the disruption um you know you mentioned the public policy government as like one of the big barriers to, you know, that needs to be disrupted, if you will, um, because they have so much influence. I've always kind of thought that uh, when it comes to environmental change and sustainability, uh, yes, government has a critical, huge role to play. Yes, NGOs and advocates have a big role to play. But I've always viewed companies as just being so powerful. Uh, they have the resources, they have the influence, you know. And it's like we got to get them to disrupt as well.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, I enthusiastically agree with you, and I, you know, I, I'll go back to the graph that I borrowed from a good buddy of mine, Tom Higley, on who solves wicked problems. That multinationals sit between the public sector, you know, which is has scale and, and not speed and entrepreneurs that have speed but don't scale. Well, the ability of a multinational to really play in that middle part and be fast when they they can be, need be, But also, you know, these things, these companies are huge, huge, and touch I mean, to think the workforce mm-hmm. alone, you know, if you can mobilize your workforce to have an impact, let alone supply chain and customers. So I, I agree with you completely. And that's really where I spent, you know, a lot of my time working with multinationals.
1: Yeah. Well, Will, um, I know that we could stay on here and talk for hours, uh, a million things I could ask you about, but we have to let you get back to putting on all those other hats and, and, and your multiple other jobs. Um, I I do hope that part of that involves you getting out on the water for some of your, your rowing time. I know that that's important.
0: It it is It's a whole other dimension, um, and, and opportunity. We, You know, we actually ran a couple of webinars with uh, World Rowing and WWF uh, and the Rocky Mountain Rowing Club to talk about, you know, how do you mobilize the rowing community to engage on water stewardship and clean water and, you know, the partnership that World Rowing and WWF has is incredibly impactful. So, you know, we're excited to be part of it. Um, So I will I will go row tomorrow
1: morning. Really. All right. All right. And I'm, you know, as you know, I'm sitting here on the East Coast, on the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, I'm always looking to get in and surf. Uh, I, have to, I have to have Mother Nature cooperate with me with the, the wind, <laughs> the tides, and the waves themselves. It looks, like, uh, it looks like my Friday morning at sunrise might be my time. So, All right, sir. Well, Good thank you, you. It's welcome, awesome talking to you. Uh, thank you so much.
0: Travis, love the conversation. I love what you do. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Waterloop. Thank you for listening to the podcast. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop,
0: Waterloop.